Well, good morning, and thank you for, uh, for doing that with us. We, we feel like it's a, a, a really large value to uh, our community, to be able to know that, that they have support, these families have support. And I know as a family member or someone here, part of Grace, it's great to know that you have the support of, of your church and, and for people in your life praying for you who are beyond the, the family, maybe the, the immediate family. And so thank you for doing that with us. From the onset, I'd like for all of you to know that this message that I'm going to be sharing with you today is going to sound a little like therapy for me, uh, and, and not therapy for you, but my own, right? So I, I, and I believe that God wants me to share some insight about me with all of you in hopes that you'll see the work of Jesus, not only in my life, but maybe in yours too. As I was praying for Daisy this week, I, I kept thinking about her story, and I think, yeah, at the onset, it seems like it begins with David and Haley as, as they rear and teach and guide her in the ways of God and, and his purposes in her life, as well as the traditions that you guys will develop in, you know, in your family and you have already have. And it seems like it begins with maybe being Rosie's little sister, right? And she learns the, the, her, to navigate the sibling rivalry and, and what to not do and what to not do from big sister. And, and as she grows with her personality and increases uh, and her preferences are shared and, and her internal wiring is exposed by the things that she says and the things that she experiences and the way that she lives, it's so exciting to wonder, to think, what will her life be like? In fact, pondering these things, I, I, it made me think about my own story. And, and since I can't remember when I was one, I can't tell you if I had hopes and dreams. I think all the hopes and dreams I had at one was like, feed me, change my diaper, and let me sleep. And, you know, it's like those are the things that just repeat over and over and over again. But I have no doubt that my parents had some hopes and dreams for me and my siblings. But as we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people... We are bound for heartache and for disappointment as well. And no one looks at a child, no one looks at Daisy and goes, you know, hey, buckle up, kid. You know, you know life's going to be rough. And it, no one says those things. But the reality is life is painful and life does hurt. And life, but we have to also realize again that life is amazing, right? It's, it has twists and turns. It has experiences, it has surprises, it has, it has excitement. And, and it offers an experience that we call once in a lifetime at, you know, moments, right? That's, that's life. But to be completely fair, life is also filled with disappointment, with sorrow, with devastation. It includes tragedy and, and a level of sadness that feels sometimes like a little bit unbearable. Like I can't carry it on my own. I was... Uh, an averagely, is that a word? Averagely? Oh, anyway, it is now. I was an averagely normal or happy kid, I think, growing up. I didn't feel necessarily special or, or unique. I, I knew I had some abilities. I had some talents, but nothing like I'd really brag about. Except, of course, uh, when it came to beating every Super Mario videos game. Uh, you, know, you know, Super Mario Brothers, you, you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good at that. Still am. Uh, but for the most part, I, I wasn't really a, a confident kid. I doubted my abilities. I, I was afraid to take risks. I shied away from opportunities because I was unsure of myself most of the time. 
And I think mostly because I was constantly comparing myself to other people. I compared myself to my friends. I compared myself to my teammates. I compared myself to my family. I compared my family to other families. Uh, I, you know, I compared what others had and what I didn't have. And for me, I could not shake this feeling of always being less than, never being what I thought was good enough, strong enough, fast enough. And, and what this constant comparison did to me was it created this impossible longing to be satisfied. I had feelings of, of want all the time, like it just was never enough for me. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to prove myself. In my mind, it was like, be the best at all cost. And I wanted to be better. I, and I wanted to listen to music like that. I was like, I wanted, I wanted to be seen as someone valuable and, and great. I wanted other people to go, hey, that kid's different. That kid's special. And what that did was that it created this massive void in my heart where I'd spend every ounce of energy trying to fill that widening hole of emptiness. Like I said, I was a pretty normal kid. I liked playing outside. I liked riding my bike. I liked going to the, you know, to the baseball card shop, and they had a little arcade game we'd play there. I liked going to the arcades. I loved watching movies, and, and I loved hanging out outside our neighborhood, because our neighborhood was awesome. Remember those days? I mean, I know, that. It's just, it's, here we go, this old guy talking about old, the old days. But like, it's like you, you could play outside till the streetlights came on, and that's what your signal was. It was like a bat signal to come home. Or your parents are whistling, and you get that I'm in trouble feeling. You know, like, it's like, hurry, go home. But, you know, we played outside. Our neighborhood was fantastic. We had so many kids that would play sports out there. We played baseball, basketball, ho roller hockey. We did, you know, hide and seek, everything you can think of. And my wife actually grew up on that same, in that same neighborhood, so she can attest to the same thing. It was a great neighborhood. But, but there was this kid, and I won't name his name. He was a great older than me. He lived kind of across the street, and he was pretty much the greatest athlete that has ever been created. Like it was just, That was the mindset that we had because he was better at basketball. He was better at baseball. He was better at football. He was better at running and walking and sitting. He was better at all of it. Like everything you can think of, he was better. If he was on your team, you won. You won. We tried to stack the teams unevenly so that it would be, make sure that like he would not have the advantage. But he still had the advantage because he was so good. I grew, up, I grew up in an era of, of commercials, and remember those things you, you couldn't skip through? And, you know, the, it's a but some of the commercials were actually really good. Like, they were actually something that you look forward to. One of those commercials growing up is, is the one that's going to be on the screen right now. So take a look. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move, I move, I dream I groove, like Mike, if I could be like Mike, oh, if I could be like Mike, like Mike, if I could be like Mike, be like Mike, be like Mike. If you're wondering, Michael Jordan was my neighbor across the street. No, I'm kidding. He was, just kidding. But he felt that way. It felt like... 
Everybody wanted to be this kid. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. And that, and that commercial was like, it reminded me of, yeah, I, I want to be like somebody else. Like, that's not me. You know, like someone that's so much better at everything. And as a kid, I wanted, I just had this desire and want. I just wanted to be better than I was. And I had this deep longing and desire and I was motivated to be this idea, unfortunately, that was not attainable. Sure, I, as I strived, I got better as an athlete, and even, I was even able to catch up to this individual in a sense of like, I finally made it to his level at one thing. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, so what? Did it, did it really like satisfy the depths of my soul? Now, I don't know if I asked that question at 16 years old, 7 years old, but I ask it now, did it really, did it really satiate? Did it really fill that massive void that was inside of me? The answer is absolutely no. See, up until that point, my, my life was this entire race to be the best. And it's, it's strange to me now, but when children are born, and I don't know if they still do this. My, my youngest is eight, turning nine, but they're constantly measuring them like putting them in these growth chart percentiles and, and every parent I know talks about how smart their kid is and, and you know, they straight up, they don't tell you they're a genius, but they're pretty much telling you they're a genius. And, and, and that's great because I think parents should be the biggest cheerleaders in those kids' lives for sure. But does being in the 110th percentile mean that they're more valuable than the person in the 50th percentile? And if you're answering in your head, yes, then that should be telling of this exact point that we think this way, but the truth is they're not. They're not. See, whenever I achieved something, it was like, it felt good for the moment. It does. It does. It should feel good for the moment. But then it was back to feeling unsatisfied for me and satisfied with where I was. And sure, I had the glory for a day or I had the certificate for a day or I had the trophy for the year and, and, and all these things that said you won and that you were great and all that stuff. And, and the, but the ache inside of me was never satisfied. It never went away. And I always thought it was my drive, right? I thought, oh, I'm just driven. But the truth was that the void inside of me uh, was more than that. It was more than just a drive. It was this longing to truly feel like you're enough to be content. And when I dwelled on that lack, I felt sadness and I felt disappointment. I was thinking about the past 24 years the other day. And when you, again, I'm, I'm at the age where I can start remembering things in decades, like you can start doing that stuff at some point, uh, but it's crazy, but it's true. But as I reflected on the past 24 years, because that's how long I've been following Jesus, and I was thinking about the why. Why did I choose to follow Jesus all those years ago? Did it have anything to do with my upbringing? No. Did, it, did, I, did I have anything to do with, with what I accomplished in my life? No. Did it have anything to do with winning or being the best at anything? No. My decision to follow Jesus had nothing to do with me or what I could control. It had everything to do with Jesus' work inside of me inside of my heart, inside of my soul, and it had nothing to do with my abilities or my accomplishments or my drive. In fact, it was because of those things that I couldn't see my need for Jesus. It was because of my abilities. It was because of my accomplishments. It was because of my drive. It was because of those things that I couldn't see a need 
to feel the thing that I can't feel. See, some of us, if you're like me, you say, we need Jesus. And we even agree, oh yeah, we need Jesus, we need Jesus. But do we live like we need Jesus? And I'm guilty of this. I must ask myself, if I'm aware enough, I have to ask myself several questions. How dependent, really, am I on Jesus? How much do I really need to let this go and stop trying to control this situation? What am I trying to control that God is saying, you need to let go? Does my life demand an explanation? Like when people see or hear my words or watch my life or observe from afar, what is it about the way that I'm living that says there's something different? There's something different about who he is, the life that he's leading, the trajectory, not, not perfection, not just straight up like, oh, this is how it's the, this is the model life, but, but his dependency. Really, what is... What is on display in my life that shows he's got a dependency on God that, that's different? And those are not questions I want to answer, okay? When I ask those questions, like, no, I don't want to answer those questions because I already know the answer. And it doesn't always reflect a dependency on Christ. And they reflect someone who's always trying to be in control, and someone who's always tried to achieve and try to accomplish their way to success or growth or whatever, and someone who has tried to be someone else because me felt like it was not good enough. But what I've discovered in, in my faith journey is that Jesus is the one who began a good work in me those 24 years ago, and he's the one who's faithful to see it to completion, like it says in Philippians 1. And Jesus is the one who knew me before I knew him. And he made me uniquely me, not so I can be better than anyone, but so that I could reflect the beauty of the creator. So, so that I could be one more expression, like all of you, of his infinitely creative work in this world. And what I've discovered is what I, what I want you all to hear today is that God created you to be exactly you. To be someone who grows up like Daisy. To learn, to grow in her understanding, to struggle, to stand up and fall down sometimes. To learn to walk and run in your faith. To have conversations that are filled with joy and are filled with sorrow to be honest and authentic, to be the real you and not someone else who, who God doesn't want you to be. He doesn't want you to be someone else. He wants to be you, to be the real you. And, 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 and God doesn't want, he doesn't want you to look to people as what you're supposed to be. He wants you to look to people as an encouragement of the work that God has done in them. Not, not to see them and go, I'll never be like them. He doesn't want you to be like them. And I'm telling you, I need to hear this. And I told you it's a little therapy session for me because I, 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 I go back and forth. I feel like sometimes this is an opportunity for me to, hey, I, I'm able to speak into lives of students and, and, and opportunities to be able to share with you today. But the truth is like there's this 
constant thing that reoccurs that God has been, that he began 24 years ago of, of, of replenishing and renewing and, 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 and starting all over and, and, and creating something new, but I'm still in it. You know what I mean? I'm still in, in the thick of it. I think every one of our stories kind of reflects like this mixture of happiness, joy, sadness, grief. And you're like, no, I don't want that. I just want this. I don't want those things. But it, it, that's what life is. And he's not concerned about you messing that up or getting it right. He's not concerned if you, if you do everything the right way, even though you are so concerned about doing things the right way. He's not waiting for anyone to just mess up or slip up so he can get you. He's not doing that. He's patient and he's kind. He's forgiving. He's loving. And he's not comparing you to anyone else. He sees you as his one-of-a-kind kid. And he didn't make two of you. Even if you are a twin or a triplet or quadruplet, whatever, he didn't make you all the same. And any parent of those kind of situations will attest they're not all the same. I think I have spent too much time focused on other people and other things and the way things are supposed to be, whether it's a family member, you look into a family member, or the neighbor across my street, or Michael Jordan, or uh, a celebrity of some sort, or even some future version of what I think I'm supposed to be. I spend way too much time dwelling on, on what I'm not and not enough time remembering who I really am. And I think that that's the only way that we can understand and discover who we really are is by looking to God's word. It's the only way. Because a reflection on anything else is not going to remind you of who you are. It's only going to show you that you're not good enough and you don't measure up. I don't know who needs to hear that, but I, I know I do. I'm the first one, me. I need to hear that. I need to remember I'm not you that sounds like the silliest statement ever, because obviously I'm not you. But I, I need to hear that. I need to be reminded of that stuff. And I was never made to be you. I was made to express the love of God and put his uniquely creative mixture that is, on, is me on display for him to use and call people to the most loving relationship they will ever have. I have the amazing opportunity, if you don't know this already, but I have the amazing opportunity to spend time with uh, the students here at Grace, and I have the amazing opportunity to be able to be given the opportunity of time to listen to their stories, to be able to just to sit and listen and stop talking, you know? And, I, 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 and what I find is they are living one of the most difficult times in their life. I mean, you don't think about it because I mean, what we remember is like, oh man, adolescence was easy. You don't, you're not even an adult yet. You don't know what, it's, what the real life is going to be like. And you know what? In some sense, they don't. But, but if you can think about, if you can trace anything about your identity, about who you are, about what you think you're supposed to be, I bet you you can, you can point it back to that time period because you, you were trying to fit in. You were trying to be liked. You're, you're trying to feel like you're not an outcast or marginalized or, or, or separated. You wanted to fit and belong somewhere. You want to be a part of a group. You want people, you want people to tell you that, that, hey, we like you, and we want you to hang out with us, and we want you to be around us, be on our team, be with our group. We think you're awesome. 
And we didn't get that sometimes. And that has a, has a, a, a huge impact on who we are as adults. And as I sit and listen to, to some of these stories and students, as I learn their stories and their family dynamics and all that stuff, I consider myself very fortunate because I, I, they give me the time of day. And I also get to reflect on why I started following Jesus. I didn't choose it because my family made me. I didn't choose it because I was forced to do so. I didn't choose to follow Jesus because things were going to be a lot easier if I did. I chose to follow Jesus because he offered me freedom from the things that were enslaving me. He offered me freedom to be able to let go of comparison, to let go of what this idea that you're not enough, to let go that you, this idea of you don't belong, this idea that, that you are never going to be as valuable as someone else. He, he's given me freedom from that. And I'm still being freed from that as we speak today. He's offered me life. And I'm not just talking about eternal life. He's offered me life right here and right now. A life that would alter the way that I view people, the way that I live my life, the way that I see families, the way that I see church, the way that I see communities. Like, I didn't have that mindset before. And he's given me an ability at times to see things the way I think they're supposed to be seen, which is the way that he sees it. It would be weird if I, if I had my own personal child dedication service right now. And uh, it's weird, okay? Uh, but if I were to choose a verse for myself, it would probably be Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to have it up on the screen. And I want you just to read this uh, as I, as I kind of read through it. But I, I want to just share these two verses, then I'm going to kind of you know, talk about it a little bit. It says this. Therefore, I urge you, Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In this verse, Paul says, listen, listen, we need to take notice of God's mercy. God's mercy meaning God's kindness, God's compassion. And Paul says, in light of this, open up your hands and let go of whatever it is in your life that you're clinging to you're holding on so tightly to and offer that to God. When he says to offer your body as a living sacrifice, he doesn't only mean, hey, your physical self. No, he means your abilities. He means your gifting. He means your brain. He means your passion. Because when you do this, you experience what it means to truly worship. We can, we can sing songs in here. We can, we can be on, in, the, in sync and in tune and all that stuff. And that it could still not be worship. When we take all that we are and we're saying, God, here it is. 
Here I am. All of me. That is what we're doing when we read this verse in chapter 12, verse 1 in Romans. We're, we're offering ourselves, our control, our, our struggles, our inabilities to overcome the I'm not good enough thoughts. And we're going, God, I'm giving it to you. And then he, he says, stop conforming to the patterns of this world. Now, I'm not sure if you know this, but there are patterns in our world. There are patterns. And what we, what we do with these patterns is we naturally conform to them. It's what we do. There's always a pressure to think, feel, believe, and act a certain way. There, there, are, there are advertisements everywhere we go telling us that we should look a certain way, that we should drink this thing, and we should eat this thing. If we don't go there and do this and think that way and believe this, there are TV shows and news channels and personalities that are always suggesting these thoughts that you should, the ways that you should think politically uh, about relationships, about family, about, about ways of life, about a certain way. There are influences everywhere we go fighting for your attention, presenting a pattern for you to replicate. And for me, it was and will continue to be a pressure to be someone I'm not. For me, it will continue to be a pressure to be good enough. And I, I know that. I recognize that. I see that. See, Paul says, don't conform to this. Don't do this. And the way that you do that is you renew your mind. You renew your mind. So a renewed mind is able to do several things. And I'm just going to fly through these because I know we we're, um, have a little bit of time. But if you allow yourself to be renewed, in verse 9 it says this, then you can love others well. And you don't have to hide behind a mask. Oh, man. But it's scary. And God's saying, no, with a renewed mind, you can be you. Be yourself. Be who I created you to be. Love authentically. It says, despise evil, pursue what is good as if your life depends on it. I, I, I just feel like this seems, seems to go without question, but we know there's evil in this world. And what God's renewed mind does is it changes even people who are evil. Verse 10, it says, live in true devotion to one another, loving each other as sister and brother. Be first to honor others by putting them first you have an ability to not be first. Like, that was mind-blowing for me. Like, no, I got to be first. But God's like, no, I'm going to teach you what it means to be last and love it. I'm going to teach you that it's not about you. Verse 11, do not slacken your faithfulness and hard work. Let your spirit be on fire, bubbling up and boiling over, over as you serve the Lord. A renewed mind has a bubbling up in their life that will boil over and show their faithfulness and hard work to others as we serve God. Verse 12, do not forget to rejoice for your hope is always just around the corner. Hold up through the hard times that are coming. And devote yourself to prayer. Paul's saying to always remember that your hope is not found in you. And man, I, I don't know where you are with that, but I, I think that I can control a lot of things. And I, to realize that it's not found in me is a, is a freeing thing. 
Verse 13, share what you have with the saints so they lack nothing. Take every opportunity to open your life and homes to others. I was thinking about what's in my garage right now? Like, don't, don't think about it because probably too many things and probably too many things you'll never use again. And I was like, what am I holding on to it for? See, they see we start to see stuff differently when we are renewed mind. I start to see my things, my, my things that I'm responsible for, the things that I'm in charge of. Like, they're not mine. Like, I have them, but I should share them. And that goes, that goes to the things that you have inside of you, like your abilities, your talents. There's things that you have that you're just, I mean, to be honest with you, we're just holding it on for ourselves, And we're not blessing other people with it. Last part. If people mistreat you or malign you, bless them. Always speak blessing, not curses. If someone has cause to celebrate, join in celebration. And if others are weeping, join in that as well. Work toward unity and live in harmony with one another. Avoid thinking you are better than others or wiser than the rest. Instead, embrace common people and ordinary tasks. Do not retaliate the evil, regardless of the evil brought against you. Try to do what is good and right and honorable as agreed upon by all people. If it is within your power, make peace with all people. See, a renewed mind transforms the way we see everything. And I'm not saying that you get to a point where you finally get it, like, oh yeah, I understand it all now. No, it's a one step, one day at a time, one process at a time, building up long thing that, that the Bible talks about called sanctification. It's this stepping towards this renewal I'm renewed today, but I'm being renewed tomorrow. I'm constantly being renewed. The verse talks about renewing your mind. It doesn't mean, it, it doesn't talk it in past tense. It talks about present and future tense. It's a constant renewing. And so when I get down on myself, when I struggle with certain things, when I have to talk it over and I'm, my mindset's not right, it's, it's most of the time, it's because I choose not to renew my mind with what God's word is reminding me. He's not saying this is a checklist. Check, 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 check. You got it all right. You're doing a good job. No, he's saying a renewed mind. Out of a renewed mind, a bubbling happens of, of, of faithfulness and love and compassion and, and being able to see things that I didn't see before. And it's because of what Jesus had begun for me 24 years ago. And he's continuing to do today. I'm gonna invite you guys to stand. And I, I just wanna end with this. Jesus is offering us an opportunity to fill what we can never fill. He, he's, he's, he's inviting us into a renewal. This isn't a, a, a ticket. This isn't a pass. This isn't this check mark, checklist thing that you have to accomplish and achieve. It's about recognizing that, that God is inviting us into something into his bigger picture, bigger plans for renewal of this earth, for the renewal of families and relationships, for the renewal of your mind so that you can start to see the things that he sees. As we sing this last song, I think sometimes songs say it better than, than I can ever say it. But I'm going to be praying for you as we end in I don't know what you're putting your hope in today. 
But my prayer is that your, your, your hope is not found in you or some other person or some other thing or some future version of yourself. But your hope is found in, in Jesus, the only one that could actually renew your mind and your heart and your soul so that you might live the life he's called you to live. So let's, let's sing.
So those words for me, um, praise the one who has set me free. Uh, I don't know what's enslaving you. And I know that's not a word we use all the time, but what's gripping you? And it could be a, a thought. It could be a pattern. It could be lots of different things. But um, we're in the, Jesus is in, in the process of renewing some people up in here. And so um, as we close, I, I want to continue to pray with you. Uh, we'll be outside and there'll be several people to, to pray if need be. But um, man, uh, my hope is that every single one of you realize that Jesus is our living hope and he offers us the only hope that we could ever need. The only hope, the only hope that we would ever, ever need to fill the massive void inside of us. And so um, if that's you, I would love to pray with you and um, pray that God, that you would invite uh, Jesus into that and accept him uh, for who he is and that, that Lord and Savior, that living hope that we just sung about. Uh, don't forget to Rooted and, and Connected are, are happening this fall. And then uh, if you're interested in connecting with us, please sign up, register yourself on the email, get, get connected that way. We would love, love to, uh, to, to walk with you in the journey of life and faith. And so uh, anyway, we love you guys. Have a great Sunday.